Welcome to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, getting you up to speed with the latest in Somerset Patriots baseball. Here's your host, Stephen Cusimano. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. I'm Stephen Cusimano, coming to you as we enter the fourth week of the 2022 Eastern League season, and the Patriots have continued to let the good times roll in Somerset winning five out of six games against the Red Sox affiliate, the Portland Sea Dogs, over this past week. And it was a series that started out really tight, but the Patriots took command later in the week. We'll get to all of that and recap the week that was, and we're also going to catch up with MLB Pipeline's Sam Dykstra, who joined me in the broadcast booth for nine innings of Thursday night's game as part of MLB Pipeline's Game of the Month, the first one ever, and Sam was in Somerset to make it happen. That was a big 15-3 win for the Patriots, and he caught up with me for a lengthy conversation earlier in the week about his career, about the Patriots, and some of the Yankees' top prospects. So you'll hear that conversation in a little bit. But first, let's catch you up to speed with the last week in Somerset Patriots baseball. Well, on the player side of things, the big news coming into today was that on Monday afternoon, Minor League Baseball again announced that for a second straight week, a member of the Somerset Patriots was one of its players of the week, it was the right-handed pitcher Johnny Brito, named Eastern League Pitcher of the Week. It was his second Player of the Week award in his minor league career. He also won it the last week of July when he was with Hudson Valley in the Yankees organization. But Brito, who pitched seven scoreless innings and only allowed two base runners on Sunday afternoon's win, was named the Pitcher of the Week for Somerset. Only one week after, Blake Perkins was named the Player of the Week for the Patriots in the Eastern League. So Somerset continues to rack up the hardware and coming into this week, all you got to do is look at the standings and understand why. This is a very talented team. Again, won five out of six games against Portland. And also they've won seven of their last eight games going back to the series in Hartford. So Somerset enters the week with a 14-7 record, four-game win streak, the seven games above 500, the highest they've been all year. They also lead the Eastern League with 32 home runs, 111 runs scored, and perhaps most impressively, a 2.55 ERA and 1.11 whip for the pitching staff. Not only do those two marks lead the Eastern League, they lead all of minor league baseball. So Dan Fiorito's team and the pitching staff led by Gerardo Casadiego, the hitters led by Jake Hurst, and on the base running and defensive side, the Patriots also ranking second in the Eastern League in stolen bases, so credit Aaron Bossy with that. But it's been a very well-rounded team through three weeks. They enter this week with a three-game lead over the Hartford Yard Goats for first place in the Eastern League's Northeast Division and looking poised to do some more damage as the Blue Jays affiliate, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, come to town for a six-game series to end this two-week homestand. As for how the homestand started, it was back-to-back two-to-one decisions, the first of which was the Patriots' first extra inning game of the season, a two-to-one win over the Portland Sea Dogs in a game that they had to scratch out. They were held scoreless in the first six innings by left-handed pitcher Chris Murphy, and on the first pitch thrown by the bullpen, Andres Chaparro hit his first home run out of two in the series, tying the game at one, forcing extra innings, and then Mickey Gasper came up and did this with Derek Dietrich holding the game-winning run at third base. Taps back up the middle, waiting for it. The shortstop cost comes home with it. The throw is off target. Dietrich scores. It's a walk-off RBI for Mickey Gasper, and the Patriots win it 2-1. Two, two straight Tuesday night home games. Two straight 2-1 two walk-off winners for the Patriots. This time it's Mickey Gasper, the hero. Christian Koss couldn't make the throw on target, and the Patriots will move on to 10-6. and six. 
That's right, the Patriots came into this week having played two Tuesday night home games. One was their home opener on April 12th, and the other was that one where Mickey Gasper hit the walk-off RBI in the 10th inning, and both of them ended in 2-1 walk-off wins. Brandon Lockridge getting the walk-off hit in the Patriots' season opener in that April 12th game. So after the Patriots moved on to 10-6, they actually lost the next game in the series. 2-1 was the final score of that one as well. So we came into Thursday, April 28th's game thinking, would we have another low-scoring 2-1 affair? And for a little bit, it looked like that might be the case. Patriots fell behind early 3-0 in the fourth inning on a Tyler Dearden home run. Those three runs, though, for Portland were the most they scored in any game this series, and it also matched their entire run-scoring output in the final three games of the series. The Patriots went on to score 15 unanswered runs on Thursday night, and again, that was the nationally televised MLB Pipeline Game of the Month, where Sam Dykstra joined me in the booth. It was also Bark in the Park Night, which was really fun, and it was Anthony Volpe's 21st birthday. He came up three separate times with the bases loaded, got a sacrifice fly on one of them, and then came up again in the seventh inning with the bases loaded for him, and did this. 0-2 pitch, he's lined toward right field. That'll drop in for a base hit and head all the way towards the wall. Gasper is in, Bell is in, on his way to third base is Bastidas. Volpe on his way to third base. How about a bases clearing birthday triple for Anthony Volpe to make the score 7-3 Somerset. That made the score 7-3, and the Patriots more than doubled that. They had a franchise record since becoming the AA affiliate of the Yankees. Eight-run eighth inning, and it was capped off by Derek Dietrich's second home run of the season, the Patriots' second grand slam of the season that served as the icing on the cake of a historic night and a birthday celebration at the ballpark. And this one is clocked deep down the right field line, curling toward the corner, bombs away! It's a grand slam for Derek Dietrich, icing on the cake, 15-3 Somerset. And that really was a remarkable night in a lot of different ways. The Patriots' 15 runs, the most they've scored in a game since becoming the Yankees' AA affiliate. And we just named a couple guys in Volpe and Dietrich kidding near the top of the order, but a lot of the action was made possible due to the bottom third of the order. It was Mickey Gasper, Chad Bell, and Jesus Bastidas hitting 7th, 8th, and 9th. They each came up four times and each got on base every single time, scored six combined runs, three RBIs all off the bat of Chad Bell. They combined to go 8-for-8 eight eight with four walks as Bell homered in two straight games beginning with this one, as well as the next night on Saturday, along with Dietrich, who also homered on Saturday. Both Bell and Dietrich homered in the eighth inning of back-to-back -back games. And the 0-2 pitch is clocked deep towards center field, headed for the star-spangled banner, bombs away! Back-to-back -back games with home runs for Chad Bell, and the Patriots have broken this game open. To dead central for Chad Bell, and it's 7-0 Somerset. 1-1 pitch is clocked deep toward right field. Wilson gives it a look. Bombs away. Out of the ballpark for Derek Dietrich. Two straight days with a home run, and the Patriots lead it 5-0. The final score of that game on Saturday night wound up being 7-1 Patriots. It was a game pitched in its entirety by the Yankees' number 12 prospect, Luis Medina, and Josh Maciejewski, the lefty out of the bullpen who picked up a four-inning save. Gave up just the one run in the ninth inning as the two of them combined to strike out 10 Sea Dogs in the Patriots' 12th win of the season. They won the series with that game and came back the next day with one of their most dominant showings of the 2022 season thus far. We mentioned at the top of the show the Eastern League Pitcher of the Week started this game and picked up the win. It was the righty Johnny Brito out of the Dominican Republic. Seven shutout innings, 
Only two base runners in the entire game. They got a hit and a walk off of him, and it wound up being the Patriots' second shutout of the season as Emmanuel Ramirez and Kyle Zurak each polish it off with two perfect innings. As for how they scored their runs on Sunday, the Patriots hit two more homers, 32 total on the season now, and they've hit multiple home runs in 9 out of 21 games this year. Andres Chaparro homered for a second straight game, and then Anthony Volpe also hit his third home run of the 2022 season. As Volpe swings at the next pitch, drives it in the air, deep toward left field. Tyler Eswin is back at the warning track. Bombs away! Anthony Volpe's third home run as a Somerset Patriot comes in front of a huge family crowd on his birthday weekend, and it's a solo shot to make the score 3-0 Somerset. So once again, the Patriots advancing to a season-high seven games over 500. 14-7 record, they lead by three games in the Eastern League's Northeast Division over the Hartford Yard Goats, and they lead by four games over both Portland, who they came into the series tied for first place with, and New Hampshire, their next team on the schedule. It's going to be a six-game series with the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and their team headlined by the Blue Jays' number two prospect, infielder Arelvis Martinez. Before we dive into this series, though, let's catch up with MLB Pipeline's Sam Dykstra, who joined me in the booth for nine innings of Thursday's game. And Sam, in 2022, is entering his 11th year covering minor league baseball on the prospect side of things for both MLB Pipeline slash MILB.com. So I began by asking him to elaborate on that experience and tell me a little bit more about himself and what he was doing in Somerset. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. This is a great day for baseball here in Somerset. But uh, yeah, so starting in... Uh, March of 2012, I've been covering minor league baseball now for going on 10, 11 years. Um, I used to cover minor league baseball at its basis level, game stories, all that kind of stuff. Now I get more involved in prospects, working out rankings for uh, 10 different organizations. Uh, I combined with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo with the MLB Pipeline to come out with our top 100. Um, it, it, you know, There's so much to cover in the minor leagues. I also co-host the Show Before the Show podcast over there at MILB.com. So lots to cover, but it's a lot of fun as well. Well, thank you again for joining us. And you mentioned you like to cover the prospects. And which 10 organizations is it that you cover? Yeah, so I do the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Royals, the Tigers, the Mets, the Nationals, uh, the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the D-backs and the Padres right now. And with a lot of help from our MLB.com beat reporters, a lot of them helped out or straight up did the rankings this spring. Um, some other help from Will Bohr, a former colleague of mine who has now moved on to an, another outlet. But um, yeah, it, between the three of us, it's, it's covering a lot of teams and we go 30 deep on each organization. Absolutely. And for tonight's game, it's a matchup between the Portland Sea Dogs, the Red Sox affiliate, and the, of course, the Somerset Patriots, the Yankees affiliate. And the fun thing about this is you get to see some of the top prospects in all of baseball and MLB Pipeline's number eight overall prospect, Yankees number one prospect, Anthony Volpe, who you just got a chance to, to catch up with. And um, of course, this is the inaugural MLB Pipeline game of the month. So why don't you first talk a little bit about what this program is and what you hope to bring to fans of both Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball and bringing those two fan bases and audiences together. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm sure a lot of your listeners know is that games are broadcast on MILB TV as Somerset games are and all games are at AA. But we want to really highlight that. At MLB Pipeline, we're now working a lot with MILB.com, which was my original home in Minor League Baseball, um, to really highlight that and show people we can bring Minor League games to your home. There's so many other aspects of of the game that we can cover while we're there. So once a month, we're going to go to a game that is broadcasting on MILB TV and really blow it out as an event. You mentioned earlier, I talked to Anthony Volpe for a Q and a, um, that'll be, that is already live on the MLB pipeline Instagram feed. Um, we also did a ballpark tour of 
here at TD Bank Ballpark. Uh, and then there'll be a pitching tutorial um, with some of the best pitching prospects at each stadium that we go to. We're going to be doing this once a month. We'll see how this goes. This is the first one. It's gone really well so far. Really excited with how it's been. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can expand this going forward. And, and our dream maybe, and I don't want to blow it out too much, but is to maybe turn this into kind of the college game day of minor league baseball. It would be awesome. And I think it's as soon as you guys came to us about the idea, it just made all the sense in the world. And let's jump into some of the fun prospect stuff now, because I just mentioned how you talked to Anthony Volpe, you caught up with Ken Waldachuk, and obviously we're in some really great things. And um, we're going to jump into all this during the broadcast, too, because you're joining me during tonight's game. And for those of you listening in the past tense, um, Sam <laughs> joined me uh, for seven or eight innings of the game on Thursday night. But um, let's jump into it. What did you learn from Anthony Volpe? You had a great conversation with him just before during batting practice. And he had some great things to say about not just the season he has had and keeping a level head and the adjustments that he has made and also playing in front of his hometown crowd on what is ironically enough his 21st birthday today as the, the day we're recording this. Yeah, we didn't plan it out that way. I should say that. I think you were the one who told me that it was yeah, his 21st you met, birthday. How this worked was Sam brought the idea up to us of uh, April 28th and it happened to be Bark in the Park night and it was also Anthony Volpe's birthday. So that was just an icing on the cake. Maybe, no pun intended. Uh, maybe we should start planning these around birthdays. But uh, <laughs> no, that worked out really well. I mean, one of the great things about talking to him about being here is he is a Somerset County native. He knows this area pretty well, although not as well, apparently, as I thought. He said he, he doesn't necessarily enjoy being the de facto guide because uh, some people know a lot more about this area than he does. But uh, one thing that stood out to me in our conversation was how much he's not paying attention to all the noise outside of this ballpark. He, he loves playing with this team. He loves being a Yankee, obviously, being a local guy. But so much of the offseason was about the Yankee shortstop position. Would they go out and get a Carlos Correa? Would they go out, maybe sign a Corey Seager, some of the big names on the free agent market? They chose to go some all. They went and got Isaiah kiner Falefa, who kind of feels like a stopgap. And the, a lot of the thought of us who cover prospects was maybe they're planning for Volpe. How does that affect Volpe? He said he wasn't paying attention to it. That's what he said. He said it with a smile. We'll see if that's true or not. Um, you know, you can take that put as much weight into that as you want. Um, but the fact that he was acknowledging that is like, I have tons to work on on my own. I'm still a young player in double A trying to make my way to the majors. I'm not going to focus on the noise. It's very easy in this market to fall into that rabbit hole. And the fact that he says he hasn't is really interesting. Absolutely. And you could see it from a daily basis here in Somerset, the way he's started this season and betting lower as far as the average goes lower than what he would probably like to be right now. But you would never know it by his attitude and the way he carries himself on a day-to-day basis. And you can just see just a real great team guy, uh, had great things to say about the clubhouse and being around here. But also for Anthony, the thing that really stuck out in hearing your conversation with him is that he's not overthinking it. He's not adjusting too much with his mechanics. He's not overthinking any of those things, but he is very cognizant of the fact that he is making his double A debut this year and that the timing needs to come to him. And that was one of the things that I thought was, was very insightful of him realizing that because it might not be so easy for a guy that just today turned 21 to realize I don't have to overhaul everything. I, I'm, I'm still the same guy and I'm going to do what got me here. It's just a matter of getting that adjustment period over with. Yeah, I mean, he is a pretty jovial guy, but I think the thing that comes through in that part of the conversation was that quiet confidence. He knows all the small pieces are there. It's just a timing thing. It's just playing games. And the fact that we're talking here on April 28th, it's still very early in the season. Um, so the fact that he knows exactly what it is and that's going to come, uh, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of things, but one of the greatest conversations I've ever had about hitting in minor league baseball was with Juan Soto, which happened through a translator and all that. But you could tell even at an early age, he knew the mechanics of his swing. He knew exactly who he was and he wasn't going to change much. 
a few months later, he was in the major leagues. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Anthony Volpe, but he has the same tenor of those conversations and that quiet confidence. And not only that, but as we look at the numbers for Volpe this year, uh, again, didn't start off the way that he was probably hoping to. He had a 367 OPS through six games, but things have really started to heat up. He's got an 858 OPS as of the last nine games heading into Thursday. So he started to see the ball better, nine walks in those last nine games compared to one over the first six. And I think that that's something that speak volumes about um, all the different things he can do. He had three stolen bases in a game during the road trip in Hartford, six total over that week of play. So um, he's really shown everything he can do. Had a couple of home runs early in the season as well. Talk about what makes him the Yankees' number one ranked prospect and a top 10 prospect in all of minor league baseball. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it right there real quick, is that he has the power and he has the speed. That's really rare in today's game. I mean, that's the reason why we made Bobby Witt Jr. the number one overall prospect coming into this season, because he probably had the best power-speed combo in the minor leagues. Volpe necessarily isn't quite there, especially on the power spectrum, but both are plus tools right now or at least above average. And he has a plus hit tool as well. He plays a premium position. There were some questions of like, maybe he'll have to move over to second base, but he seems to make all the plays at shortstop that he needs to. It might not be the spectacular ones, but he's a very solid defensive shortstop as well. So it's a real five tool talent. And the more and more we saw him last year, the more and more feedback we got, it was, you need to keep pushing him higher. And that's how he ended up a top 10 prospect coming into the year. Um, you know, we'll see how things kind of go. A lot of guys struggle at double A. It's when you really feel close to the majors. But uh, as you said, if he's starting to heat up now, all the pieces are there. He just needs to find the timing to show them off. One guy that has not struggled this year at double A is a guy who was here last year. So he adjusted to things. And that's the lefty Ken Waldachuk, the Yankees top pitching prospect, number six in the Yankees organization. And again, you had a chance to catch up with him and go through his whole arsenal of pitches and he gave you some really, really good insight as to not only what those pitches do, how they developed over the past year. And in the case of him specifically, how some of these pitches have developed over the course of things that have just become about over the last couple of weeks, too. But he had some great insight for you. Yeah, I mean, I love those conversations because it gets into what player development is and the fact that it is constantly evolving. It's constantly going uh, one thing that stood out about our conversation was him talking about his curveball and how it didn't really lock in until like the last week of spring training. I couldn't and, believe that. Yeah, and the, what, the way he was saying it, it was it wasn't just feel; it was in the metrics. Things were like happening two or three times as, as or better than they were previously in the spring. I mean, a that's why spring training exists, right? To get into the season uh, hitting the ground running. But the fact that that was still ongoing and it's still stuff he tinkers with. It's not over just because the season started. Uh, I've, I was expecting him to say, okay, now the season's going. I'm just going to ride this for a little bit. He said, no, I'm still playing with all these grips and trying to find something. Um, so the fact that the curveball for him is becoming a very quality third pitch on top of his fastball, on top of his slider, uh, and a changeup that the Yankees seem very enthused about. Uh, it's a full four-pitch arsenal for Ken Waldachuk and one he'll need to kind of knock on the door of the majors potentially this year. And one of the really fun things about this roster in particular for the Patriots is, is they've been implementing a six-man rotation, and half of that rotation are top 30 prospects. And that includes Luis Medina, who is going to pitch on Friday night for the Patriots, as he has for most of this year. But Luis has, uh, out of the gates this year, struggled a little bit with the control, but he's a guy that just lights up the radar gun. That's what he's known for. He is the number 12 prospect in the organization. Have you ever gotten a chance to see him pitch, and, and what do you know about Luis Medina? I mean, it's velocity 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 and again velocity like mm -hmm, yeah. that's that's what it comes down to and notice how control was not one of those things mm -hmm. i think he's up to what is it seven walks through six innings so far this year i mean it, it screams power reliever 
but the Yankees really want to develop him as a starter, as they should. He's still pretty young for the double-A level. Uh, his three pitches across the board could be starting quality. He just needs to find the zone consistently. And, you know, in Jim Callis' write-up for MLB Pipeline, it was there's nothing really mechanically wrong with him. He's just somebody who throws really hard and is going to inconsistently find the zone. If he can lock that in, the top 100 potential is certainly there. And it's, you know, number two, number three major league starting stuff. But when you see a triple-digit fastball, you immediately think, is this the right-handed Rollis Chapman? <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think it, he's got at least one more season of starting in him before the Yankees have that conversation. And I think the perfect example of Luis's potential is that he has been ranked in the top 30 for the, the Yankees' top 30 prospects by you guys for five years in a row now. And that just speaks of his glaring potential, even despite the fact that he hasn't put it all together yet. But hopefully that does happen soon. And we got pretty lucky in the sense that this MLB Pipeline Game of the Month, we happen to get a top 30 pitching matchup in terms of Randy Vasquez, the number 16 prospect for the Yankees on the mound tonight. You'll know more about him after this conversation ends and after the night is over. But coming into the day, of course, um, a guy that kind of burst onto the scene kind of out of nowhere, signed for only $10,000 as a 19-year-old out of the Dominican Republic. And uh, Randy has burst onto the scene, amazing spin rate rates on his secondary pitches. And I'm excited to see what he does tonight against a pretty good Portland Sea Dogs lineup. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing I wrote down when Randy Vasquez, when I found out he was the starting pitcher here, spin king. That's yeah. the kind of the phrase we use here. And it's not something that you're necessarily going to see at home, but you're going to see a lot of swings and misses on that curveball, potentially on the slider. We have the curveball ahead of the slider uh, in our write-up coming into the year. But if both of those pitches are up- upwards of 3,000 RPM, that's two killer pitches to work off of. And it's really tough to pick those up from either side if the ball is spinning at that rate. So we'll see how Portland can handle that tonight. Um, it's been a little while since he pitched. We'll see how fresh he is in that aspect. It is still early. It is a cold night here. Uh, it is windy. So lots of things going to play into that. But the spin is what makes Randy Vasquez stand out. And when you have those two pitches, they're spinning better than a lot of major leaguers throw right now at the top level. And it's been very impressive this series. You haven't been here for the first two games, but I'll fill everyone in that's listening. These are two of the best pitching staffs in all of minor league baseball. Portland comes into the day with a 2.77 ERA to rank third in all the minor leagues, first in the Eastern League, of course, and the Patriots with a 2.92 staff ERA to rank second in the Eastern League and tied for fifth best in minor league baseball. So these are two extremely uh, well-versed pitching staffs uh, loaded with top 30 prospects. But I also do want to get into some of the position players with this Patriots team and some top 30 guys, including two outfielders, Brandon Lockridge, who's number 18 on the list, and Josh Bro, catcher, who is number 26 on the list. And Elijah, unfortunately not in the lineup this week because he is on the seven-day injured list but was taking BP earlier today and throughout the week and, and looks fantastic. Had a great start to the year, a couple of triples, a couple of home runs, but a guy that lit it up in the Arizona Fall League and just really made a name for himself after being an undrafted free agent in 2020 by the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, the 2020 draft was weird for everybody because it was only capped yeah. at five <laughs> rounds, but uh, you and I were talking bef- before we started this about Elijah Dunham and having been in the Arizona Fall League last year, covering it both on location and from afar, the conversations we were having about Elijah Dunham, he was the breakout prospect of the year down there because every day we felt like we were talking about something with him. Now, it's average tools across the board. On one hand, that sounds bad. On the other hand, that's not that easy to do, to be at least good in every aspect of the game. Um, so he's not playing here tonight. Definitely watch him going forward. Uh, Lockridge, I'm super excited to see him just because of the speed factor. That's, again, everything starts and ends with him on the speed. 
he's really good defensive outfielder. Um, we'll see how that's going to play, but you know, be a menace on the base paths as well. And Josh Bro, uh, one of my favorite draft moments. I don't know if you remember that, but Nick Swisher was the one who announced his draft and just getting to yell "Bro" at Secaucus, New Jersey, <laughs> not far from where we are right now. One of my favorite draft moments. But uh, he's one of those, you know, kind of boomer bust catching prospects, and that he has a really, really good arm. Was a relief pitcher in college or a community college excuse me uh and he's got good power questions about the hit tool questions about the overall fielding ability uh and he has a little bit of a injury history that like maybe the arm won't play quite as well as we as you might want but you know the power is is what got him here it certainly can play hopefully we're going to see it tonight Absolutely. And coming into the week, he leads the Patriots in home runs and is near the top of the Eastern League with five of them. And and we've seen they've all been hit very far this year. But going into this game, this is a question that you're probably gonna have a better answer to after the game. But is there anybody maybe under the radar that's not ranked in the top 30 that as you look up and down this Patriots roster, uh, whether it be on the pitching staff or positionally, is there anyone specific that going into this game, maybe you're looking to see something out of them? Yeah, I mean, we were talking before, just I know you guys have talked a lot about him lately as Blake Perkins, but he's somebody who, you know, he's performing as you would expect a upper-level minor league veteran to do, but he's also somebody who, you know, the double-A level is still an opportunity. These aren't guys who are just signed to fill up a roster. A lot of these guys get signed with the hopes of, hey, you might turn into something. And the way he's been performing of late has been really, really special and kind of pushing that envelope. And, you know, he's somebody who should be trying to get to Scranton. Um, can he turn it on tonight? Can he kind of really make that push with a strong finish to April? I'm interested to see how that uh, happens. And, you know, breakouts happen all the time. Is he beginning one here in April uh, in the Yankee system? We'll have to keep an eye on that. But I'm excited to see how he can kind of carry his hot streak at the beginning of the year. And it was great. He was named the Eastern League Player of the Week for his efforts in the Hartford Series, April 19th to the 24th. And coming into today, at least, leads the Eastern League in slugging percentage and is near the top in OPS, where he ranks among the minor league leaders in those two categories. He had three straight games with home runs. So it's been a very, very impressive breakout season early on for Perkins, who his previous season high in home runs in a full year was eight. And he did that over 122 games, and he had five this week. So hopefully the breakout is happening for Blake. But I want to shift gears for a moment before we end things and just ask you about, again, a lot can happen over 10 or 11 years in minor league baseball for you. And I just want to talk about some of that experience because you get to go to so many different ballparks and meet so many different people and experience so many different things. What are some of your favorite memories just on a broad spectrum of that immediately come to mind for you in, in working for in this position for so many years? Yeah, I mean, I'll go even further back. It, it was before <laughs> I started working. Like my... I think it was when I, when I was in sixth grade, I had my birthday party at a minor league stadium. It was in McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, wow. AAA Pawtucket, before they moved to Worcester. Um, so that's what I always try to carry to the ballpark is just there are kids here who are going to have their birthday. It's not just Anthony Volpe. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are kids here who are making memories. And uh, I think it was Michael Coleman who hit two home runs in a game in Pawtucket that I went to. And I thought, he's the greatest slugger I've ever seen. <laughs> and then you start to cover minor league baseball and there are, you know, 60 games a night and two homers starts to wash over you at a certain point. And those are the memories I try to carry with me is that everybody here is making some sort of memory and whoever they see, whether it's Randy Vasquez shoving tonight, that that could happen. He could become somebody's favorite pitching prospect. Anthony Volpe could homer twice. And now, you know, everybody already loves him, but there's going to be somebody who learns something new about him. Uh, Trying to marry those two concepts in terms of what it was like as a fan, what it's like to now have some of that access, see what goes on behind the curtain. Um, I love that aspect of the job, and I try to bring that every time I come to a ballpark. 
And that really is the fun part. This is only my third year in minor league baseball, but the last time I was in this position, it was 2018. I worked in the Astros organization and I had a lot of family at those games. And now you're starting to see uh, the guys that were on the Tri-City Valley Cats team that I broadcasted for making their debuts. And it's just so cool to see. Not a lot of people know the names of these guys right now, but they leave the ballpark knowing them and looking out for them and following them coming out of the games that they go to at these minor league ballparks, which is so fun. But that's my favorite topic when it comes to minor league baseball is the ballparks. And so for somebody like you who has been to uh, so many places and, and again, raised up in the Northeast, so I know you've, you've been to a lot of the ballparks in this area. Yeah. What are some of your favorite minor league ballparks that you visited? Yeah, I'll start with uh, the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium. I, I live in Brooklyn. I'm not saying that because it's my local park. <laughs> it's a short ride away on the F train. Um, but just being right next to Coney Island is so awesome. And watching the game next to the beach is a super fun experience. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other ones that I, I really love, let's see, what else is out there that I... While you're thinking, I'll give my Brooklyn Cyclones oh, anecdote because yeah. that's in my top three favorite parks too. One of the best backdrops in all of minor league baseball where they have this, the Cyclone roller coaster and the beautiful lights and the beach in Coney Island. Uh, that That's just an amazing place to call a game and, and to visit uh, that ballpark and Mets affiliate. So a lot of local flavor there as well and they they do a great job with the theme nights but i actually got my laptop got hit by a foul ball at mcu park (laughs) formerly mcu park one time because their press box is outside so i'm hoping to be better about that sitting so close to um home plate at td bank ballpark but that's something that immediately comes to my mind when i hear the brooklyn cyclones i think of that memory um and that it's one of my favorite ballparks to visit yeah and one other i'll I'll shout out real quick and you know it's probably appropriate that i'm saying this because they're playing the portland sea dogs hadlock field is a gem of a ballpark up there in portland um they do a really good job of making it feel like a small fenway park obviously there's the main monster in left field and that's built for a reason and i remember talking to andrew ben intendi a couple years ago when he played in portland he's like this is actually going to help me this is a good thing Uh, but the people of maine like they really love red sox baseball and now they have a small slice of it in their uh, in their city uh in their biggest city in maine um, so I just I, I, I'm a big fan of stadiums like that that just stand out for some small way. Um, Scranton is another nice one. It doesn't necessarily have those, you know, that pop of a main monster, but I just really like the way it's nestled into the forest over there in Pennsylvania. Um, I, I can talk about pretty much a good thing about every minor league stadium. No matter where you're listening, mm-hmm. there's one close to you nearby. Mm-hmm. Please go to it. Go to it often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cheap. It's just as fun. And, you know, watch all the minor league stadiums you want to on MILB TV. That's what we're trying to do by coming out to as many stadiums as we are this summer. Exactly. You can watch whatever game you want on MILB.TV. Pick which stadium you want to go to and then make a road trip out of it. You, know, you could have a lot of fun with, with these kinds of things. But it's been really fun. I do want to ask you, too, about TD Bank Ballpark, of course, because you got the full tour from Patriots president and general manager Patrick McVeary, who, of course, is the longest tenured employee here other than Sparky Lyle, the former Cy Young Award winner for the Yankees. But you got the inside scoop on all of the amazing renovations that were made to this ballpark, which notoriously has been flooded several times by what they have called 100-year floods, which we've had three of in the past eight years. But they have done an unbelievable job coming back from instances like that to play ball just nine days later last year in the case of when it happened. But uh, amazing renovations to the batting cages and the bullpens and, and everything in between and making this a New York Yankees double A affiliated uh, feeling stadium and just the facilities are phenomenal and I was curious as what, what what you thought about it as you were being taken on this tour by Patrick yeah I mean the we were standing on the field and I asked him about those floods just because you know that's a big story whenever you come here and he was like yeah if we were here during the flood the water would have been above my head 
and it's amazing that they're still playing baseball here now and that there's not as much damage as there could have been. And it's a real credit to the, the groundskeeping crew here who everybody I've talked to has given them credit and shout outs and say they are one of the best in minor league baseball. And I certainly believe it. But not only that, are they playing now? They were playing nine days afterwards after a flood. It's, it was really amazing to follow from afar and getting to see this place now. You can kind of see how it's part of the community here, um, how it's a big draw for the people of Somerset County. I really like that. In terms of the renovation, uh, I'm sure the bullpen really likes having a new bullpen out there in right field. Uh, Patrick kind of pointed out you no longer have to worry about scampering around a foul ball. They are in their own area. I'm sure the outfielders are grateful for padded walls out there in the outfield. Uh, batters are grateful for a bigger batter's eye. We got a, a peek and go check it out on the Minor League Baseball Instagram page if you want to see this for yourself. Uh, but we got a peek at the facilities on the inside in terms of weight training and batting cages and getting access to data. There's even uh, you know, devices in there that are going to allow Yankees prospects to study their swing, the, like in batting practice sections indoors, and that's open to them year-round. Anybody can come around here. Anthony Volpe, a local, can knock on the door and say, I want to hit today, um, which is really, really special. So a lot of nice things are happening here at TD Bank Ballpark, and I'm, I'm grateful I got to see it. And it's going to be exciting. We're about to call the MLB Pipeline Game of the Month. And we hope that you'll subscribe to MILB.TV if you're not already and check out all the action there is. I mean, there's over 100 minor league baseball teams and you get to watch them all on demand with with that service. But um, I do want to also talk about your work. Where can we find your work specifically? And do you have anything cool in the works? I know you had the Ken Waldachuk thing that's coming out soon and maybe will be by the time this podcast airs. But uh, where can we find your work? your social media and all those different things. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. Um, you can find all my stuff at MLB, MLB.com slash pipeline or MILB.com uh, or even MLB.com. We're going to be working on some features here in the coming weeks um, about some of the best prospects in the game now that they have gotten their seasons going, um, checking in on guys, who's struggling, who's staying hot. Uh, we got new things every week over there at MLB.com. So check it out anywhere there. But yeah, a good place to find all my stuff is on my Twitter page. So that was my conversation with Sam Dykstra ahead of the game. And of course, there were fireworks throughout that Thursday night. 15 runs were scored, an Anthony Volpe bases clearing triple, a grand slam, an eight-run inning, and the inaugural MLB Pipeline Game of the Month had everything you could possibly want in a game. There were even dogs at the ballpark. So it was just a perfect night. Thank you once again for Sam Dykstra for joining me in the booth and for MILB.com slash MLB Pipeline for coming on out and featuring the Patriots and the Sea Dogs. And it was a fantastic night. And definitely head over to Sam's Twitter at Sam Dykstra MILB because he does a fantastic job covering the prospects, hosts a great podcast of his own called The Show Before the Show with Tyler Mon and Benjamin Hill. So stay posted over there because they've always got great content on their end of things as well. So now as for what's on tap, once again, we mentioned it's a six-game series against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, which is the Toronto Blue Jays double-A affiliate. Number two prospect Arelvis Martinez will be in the building. And we're also going to get two looks at one of the top right-handed pitching prospects in the Blue Jays organization in Joey Murray, who pitches the Tuesday afternoon game and the Sunday afternoon game. So he will pitch twice against the Patriots this week. And looking at the scouting report, this is a very good hitting New Hampshire team leading the Eastern League with a 767 OPS and a 241 batting average, tied for fourth in the league with 26 home runs. So again, coming into the day with the Patriots leading all of minor league baseball with a 2.55 ERA, they will certainly have their work cut out for them this week. We're on Tuesday afternoon. Once again, it's going to be an 11.05 game, a day game, STEM Education Day. It's also going to be Tops Tuesday, so one of only a few 11 o'clock afternoon games the whole season. So 
definitely want to be there for that one. Wednesday, May 6th, tons going on at the ballpark. The first 2,000 fans will get a reusable bag giveaway. There's also going to be a craft beer tasting event, which, to be honest with you, I wish I could partake in, but there's work to be done. But if you're not working and you got a chance to go to TD Bank Ballpark, I highly recommend that is going to be a really fun event, so you can get your tickets for that. And for all these games on SomersetPatriots.com, that particular game on Wednesday, May 6th, is also going to be one of the unused ticket exchange days, which means if you have an old ticket to a Patriots game that you never used, that's one of the games where you can present your old ticket and you can get one to Wednesday night's game. That's also baseball bingo night, which is always a fun time. Thursday, it's going to be dancing with the Patriots. Lots of great performances taking place at the field. Friday, of course, fireworks night. That's May 6th. May 7th, a chance to win $10,000 for the second time this year. And Tyler's amazing balancing act makes its way to TD Bank Ballpark. And then finally, Sunday, it's Mother's Day. Take your mom to the ballpark. There's Mother's Day brunch, all kinds of great things going on. And of course, on every Sunday, kids run the bases. So that's always a good time in itself. And once again, a really talented and fun Somerset Patriots team to watch. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. Follow us at Somerset Patriots or at SOM Patriots, depending on the platform. And please like and subscribe and do all those great things to this podcast, the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. I'm so thankful to have you all tuning in. And speaking for all of us at the Patriots, I'm Stephen Cusimano saying so long for this week, and we'll see you at the ballpark.